after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child? The child who has been born king of the Jews. For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. And then he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, the wise men set out, and there, ahead of them, went the star they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that star and it, it had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. And on entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. And then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Lord God, giver of all light, lift up our hearts and minds to Christ, the morning star that never fades. By the light of your Holy Spirit, reveal to us your saving word and lead us to offer our lives to you in service and in love through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. One other verse you may consider this day, also from Isaiah, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. During these days of Advent, now Christmas, today is actually the twelfth day of Christmas. Tonight is the twelfth night, the eve of Epiphany. You, like me, perhaps, have been considering some of the people who were there for the Nativity, 
the faces of the nativity. We could think of the very human face of Mary who was there with her child. Or the very concerned and righteous face of Joseph, her husband. He was there. We might think of the joyful faces on the the expression and faces of those shepherds who came from some field nearby just to see this child because they had been told a child had been born in Bethlehem. Or maybe even the concerned face of an angel who began to warn this couple and others who came to see this Jesus that something was about to happen that they should probably depart. All of these, along with the face of the nativity of God revealed in Jesus the Christ. But today, since it is the eve of a nativity, I thought we might look at three more faces, at least three. And that would be faces of people who came from outside that little family, outside the realm of Judah or Israel, people who came from a great distance. I'm talking about the Magi, of course, and their search for the one who was born to be king. But before we consider the faces of the Magi, there is one other person we have to think about for a moment, and that's Herod, a man so ruthless, so jealous, so insecure in the management of his throne and his little fiefdom, he often had his own children killed and his wife murdered just to keep them from succeeding him or even aspiring to the throne. He was awful. So despised was Herod by the people he ruled that he had sealed orders to his henchmen for the moment of his death. You know what? They were to then go out and kill some of the leading citizens of Jerusalem so that a spirit of sadness would hover over that city and that there would not be joy at the news of his death. What a control freak. This was the man to whom the Magi first appeared some months, it is believed, after Jesus was born. And this was the one that they appeared to first. Herod, the old fox himself, who as the old story unfolds, would employ a secretive plot to destroy the son of David. All right, so we'll put Herod away now. We don't have to talk about Herod anymore. But who were these wise men? Some questions that you may consider each and every year we hear this story. Why are they called magi? Were they really kings, rulers of foreign lands? And where did they come from exactly? Well, the wise men called magoi in the Greek word, and so We get the word magi from the Greek and Latin understanding of these people were astrologers. In other words, they were magicians and fortune tellers in the lands from whence they came, probably from Persia, now Iran, or perhaps Arabia, now Saudi Arabia. 
they were considered sages, interpreters of dreams and the stars. Magi held a prominent place in the court of their ruler or liege. They were not kings themselves, according to the gospel. That belief or legend arose from the Psalms and from the prophecies, like the Hebrew prophecy of Isaiah that we heard read just a few moments ago. Nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. There are all sorts of legends about the Magi. A common myth, of course, is that there were three of them, presumably because there were those three gifts mentioned. But you'll notice Matthew doesn't say the three wise men. He just calls them the wise men. Names for the Magi are often suggested and even varying nationalities and ages for them. Again, from prophecies, but also... That is to convey the universal nature of who they represent. Henry Van Dyke, of course, told that familiar story now to us of the other wise man. And then there's also a feminist perspective that indicates what would have happened if the three wise men had actually been three wise women. You probably have seen this. Well, first of all, they would have stopped and asked for directions. They would have arrived on time. They would have helped deliver the baby. They would have probably cleaned the stable, made a casserole, brought practical gifts like diapers and handy wipes, and of course, a gift for the young mother. And if the three wise women were running the show rather than three wise men, then of course, there would be peace on earth. Who could argue with that? But truth is, we don't know very much about the Magi, except for the prominent role they play in Matthew's version of the Nativity. What sort of face did they bring to the Incarnation? Well, they were people on a mission, a pilgrimage. Something celestial had told them, had revealed to their understanding that a ruler, a king, had been born in some land far from where they were. Now, I guess they could have ignored the sign, but they didn't. They were people on a mission. They went. They followed the star. You may have noticed just recently, it's been sort of an astronomical season. Just last week, you may have noticed the, the, the conjunction of the moon and Venus. It's always so interesting to see. And astronomers to this day have conjectured what might have been the star of Bethlehem. We don't know. I do remember a Christmas tide some years ago when my wife and I were out driving in the evening around sunset when I spotted this heavenly light about 45 degrees above the horizon, thinking it might have been uh, Venus or Jupiter, but I was still full of the Christmas spirit, I pointed to it and I said, look, honey, that may have been like the star of Bethlehem. And we stopped and we looked at it for a moment until it started blinking and it landed at a nearby airport. (laughs) Oh, well, there went that theory. So I'm no astronomer, but these 
fellows knew the stars. They were foreigners. They were outsiders. They were people not from the inside, the chosen of Israel, but definitely on the outside, the land beyond the realm of God's race and people, or so it was believed. Let's consider for a moment, though, the people to whom Matthew was writing. In all likelihood, he was writing to Jewish people who had become followers of Jesus, but they were not living within Judah or Israel, but probably north of there in Syria, in the city of Antioch. Some scholars believe these were people who had once been a part of the family of God and now all of a sudden then were shut out from the synagogue, their place where they would gather for worship. So in a sense, they were outsiders. Having to live and worship and serve and believe among the common people, the Gentiles, the heathen, the very people from whom the Magi would have come. And what does Matthew say to those who wonder of God and who seek the Christ whom God did send? Simply this, God has come for you. You are included. These are the ones to whom Matthew is writing. Jesus has come, the light of the world, the light of all nations and people, even the likes of you and me. And there they worship. There the Magi bow down, giving their worldly treasure, and are awed by the child God had led them to see. But not only that, they were changed. They weren't necessarily making New Year's resolutions, but they were changed. Their life had changed. Their course, their GPS or Google Maps had changed. Their journey, their pilgrimage leads them on a different path. Home by another way, Matthew says. Perhaps even a different home since they too see the world in a whole new light. All right, so that's the story. So what? How does it apply to us? Well, wise men, magi, stargazers, astrologers, whatever you choose to call them, they are people not unlike the ones we see in our sanctuary this morning for who, meet, who we meet during the week. They are seekers of the truth who embark on ways to discover it. No single one of us has the truth, of course, but our journey in life is a way in which we search for meaning, for purpose. Some even call it fulfillment. Some of us come to church week after week, or perhaps maybe in this season for the very first time, in hopes of finding some resolution or answer to an inner yearning to know more about God. If you sense that you are perhaps like those magi on a journey of sorts, let me tell you, you're in the right place. You are with, surrounded by the right people. For whether Presbyterians and others seated near you today admit it or not, 
That sense of journey, of longing, of searching is true for us all. And when it comes to church, whether we realize it or not, all of us are really outsiders looking in. You are welcome to return here as often as you would like to discern where that journey of faith might lead you. In his book entitled Searching for Home, Spirituality for Restless Souls, Craig Barnes, another Presbyterian minister, describes this search as a pilgrimage that we make with God. And here's what he says. The most important thing the Bible says about heaven is that it exists and that it is a place where we exist with God for eternity. But before heaven is a place, it is first of all a relationship with God or perhaps an eternal place in the heart of God. One thing is certain from the Bible. Heaven is home, and it will be so good to finally arrive at home. The story of Magi and our story of seeking and searching is really not about us, of course, but about the God who calls us, who summons us, who leads us, even searches after us long before we begin a journey of faith toward that light that shines in our world. God has come for you in Christ. God has come for us all. To God be all praise and glory forever and ever. Amen.